Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you are new to Wildwood, uh, sometime in the last few months, you might not be aware that uh, three or four times a year, we come together for special Sundays where we celebrate both baptism and communion. And these two things, baptism and communion, are two sacred symbols that Jesus gave to his church. There are two things that he gave us that help us remember different aspects of what he has provided for us in Christ. And today, we're going to be celebrating those two things. Uh, The first one that we're going to be celebrating is this gift of baptism. And baptism, water baptism, is a tremendous gift that Christ gave to the church. And he gave it to us by both modeling it, Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, Um, but also by Jesus' command. Jesus instructed his followers to baptize. We see this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, when Jesus gives them a great commission. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, And in that command, Jesus is making a symbol sacred. He's saying, when people come to place their faith in me, I want you to baptize them in water. Out of all of the symbols that Jesus could have chosen, he could have said, put a ring on their finger, put a a robe on their back. Jesus says, baptize them. Well, why did Jesus pick out of all of the symbols he could have chosen? Why did he pick this one? Why did he pick the symbol of baptism? I think it has to do with really the, the definition of the word baptize. In the original language, the word baptizo in Greek meant to be completely identified with something. And it was a word that was used in many symbolic type settings. Uh, One example of how the word was used had to do with boats on the water. Uh, You can imagine by uh, an example that we could relate to, um, when the Titanic is floating on top of the Atlantic, you see both Titanic and Atlantic. But when the Titanic gets an iceberg to poke a hole in its side, the Titanic sinks below the surface of the water so that if you look from the shore, all you would see was Atlantic, no more Titanic. Try saying that four or five times. Um, You would just see Atlantic, right? And what happened is that the Greeks came up with a word to describe that. They would say that the Titanic became so identified with the Atlantic that it was baptized into the Atlantic. It became totally identified with the water. And so out of all the symbols that Jesus could choose, he chooses this picture of water baptism because in water baptism, we have a picture of what happens for us when we place our trust in Christ. When we place our trust in Christ, we become fully identified with Jesus. We become fully identified with Jesus's death when we place our faith and trust in him. That means that Jesus's death on the cross was the full payment to satisfy God's wrath concerning our sin. And by being identified with Christ, his wrath was satisfied for us because we were fully identified with Jesus's death so that we might be forgiven. 
but also we become identified with Jesus' life. Just as Jesus rose from the dead after three days, our identification with Jesus' life reminds us that we have life not just now, but life eternal in relationship with God. We become identified with the new life of Christ. The Apostle Paul made this very clear for us in the book of Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, when he says this. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And the picture of water baptism is that we take people underwater identifying with the death and the burial of Christ. And then they come back up from the water, identified with the new life of Christ. And we don't think that the water is is magical. We don't think that the water saves anyone, but we believe that the water is a picture of what happened at the moment that someone placed their faith and trust in Christ. That we become identified with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And so this morning, as a part of our worship, we have four individuals who have placed their faith in Christ and who are going to be water baptized today to give all of us this beautiful picture of their identification with the Savior. Um, What a gift it is for all of us to remember the comfort, the care, the provision that we have in Christ as we watch these four uh, people be baptized. And before each baptism, we're going to have the privilege of hearing their story of how God has worked in their lives to draw them to himself. Now, the way that we do this logistically at Wildwood is we don't have a, a baptismal up here on stage, but we do have one over in our children's building. And so what we'll see is we'll hear the story of somebody who's going to be baptized in their testimony, and then we'll go to a live video shot of that person being baptized over in the children's building. And so uh, with that set up, let's watch our first testimony. My name is Gavin. I am nine years old and I go to Wilson Elementary in the fourth grade. Um, my dad showed me the Bible and opened scripture with me. Sometimes he even um, reads like the entire he reads the Bible from book to book with um, the entire family. I want to be baptized because I want others to see that I follow God. My favorite Bible verse is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My favorite verse because I like the beginning and I like how God made everything. And that that I know that right now I could be the I, I wouldn't be on earth if God hadn't created the earth. I love Jesus because He comforts me when I'm scared. God has helped me. Um, get through tough moments in my life and uh, not stop when I didn't do something right. I'd like to thank my mom because um, she uh, helped me when I was doing Bible classes because I was scared of doing the, bi- the video, but now I, I'm not scared. Gavin, brother, it's wonderful to hear your testimony of faith in Christ. And it's awesome to see you now be baptized by your mom, Chris Newland. What an awesome day today is, and what an honor it is to be with you while you honor God. So based on your testimony in Christ, and by the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you.
Jenna Johnson and I go to Alcott Middle School. I've lived in a Christian home my whole life and one night in the pool I was talking to my dad and he asked me if I, well a lot of times we just talk about God in the pool and he asked me do you want to ask him into your heart and see if, do you want to follow him and I said yes. So we prayed it in the pool. I'm really excited to get baptized because I really want to show that I have followed Christ. I have chosen to walk with Him, be friends with Him. So. My favorite Bible verse is Psalm 37.3, Trust in the Lord and do good. I really want to thank um, my dad and um, my parents and my older sister Megan for really being a great example and showing me just how to live right and be kind. So. Jenna, your life has come full circle. You came to Christ in the pool, and now you're back in the pool with your dad, Greg, um, with a chance to, to be baptized by him. So, Jenna, based on your faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Jesse Shapiro. I've lived in Norman for about uh, five years now. I was born in upstate New York, uh, but my family uh, moved to Wisconsin when I was eight, and I did most of my growing up there, although I like to think I still am working on that. <laughs> I got married uh, August 3rd this year, and it's been pretty great ever since. Well, you know, when I was a child, I always believed that I was a Christian. Um, whenever I was told I wasn't, uh, I would just repeat back what I had always been taught in church, you know. I'm not a Christian. I, Christ is in the name of my church. That, that means I'm a Christian, right? Um, I figured that's what it meant, you know. The faith I was raised in was extremely legalistic. Um, it was repeated over and over again that the moment I did anything wrong, God didn't really want anything to do with me. Um, it was only through keeping going on to church and doing all the things I got told to that I could be worthy, I guess, of being loved by God. As I grew up, I became more and more of a bitter person. Uh, you know, God's laws were firm, strict, immovable, and no one that I saw was actually fulfilling them. So I figured it was a waste of time to try to compromise God's standards to love other people that were just going around doing whatever they wanted. Eventually, I did drift away from the church that I grew up in. But, you know, I didn't stop believing, I just hated myself so much for the sin that I saw in my life that I couldn't stand being there. I figured, you know, I felt this guilt inside me and I figured that anyone else looking at me could easily see that too. I just didn't want to go. Luckily, that's not the end of my story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was listening to a sermon from a another church, the pastor was talking about his church's statement of faith. And he started off by asking this question, you know, how do we say we believe this without succumbing to the sins of pride and arrogance, really? His answer was just something they'll never forget. He said, all truth begins with love. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to save us. and." When we profess to believe in Jesus Christ without sharing that same love 
with everyone else. We just completely dishonored that. It struck me in that moment that although I had read that Bible verse, you know, hundreds of times, I never really thought about what it meant for me. Um, and the faith I was in didn't love the world that way, and I didn't either. I've been so focused on my own theological correctness that I had completely missed the entire reason that Jesus came down here and gave his life because he loved the world. Not a perfect, sinless world, but a broken, corrupt, and fallen world. Nothing could have prepared me for the way that I felt God's love in that moment. And I immediately knew that I couldn't go out of that experience the same way I had come into it. I finally understood what I had spent years not understanding that uh, Jesus didn't give his life because he had to. He did it because of the deep love he has for each of us as we are. You know, I'm still not perfect. You know, that's. I, I never will be. But I understand that that's okay now. God loves me and gave his life for me when I was still in sin. No matter how messed up I am, I know that I have a Savior who loves me and looks after me. When I thought that God hated me for my sin, I hated everyone around me for theirs. Um, now I know that God loves me even though I sin, and I understand that God calls me to do the same for other people. No matter who they are, what they believe, or what they do, God loves them passionately and wants me to as well. In the Old Testament, God gives Israel hundreds of commandments to follow. In the new covenant that Jesus makes with us, he uh, tells us that everything really boils down to two. The first one is easy for anyone who understands what God has done for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But the second one is what really strikes a chord with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful testimony. It gives us a chance to worship our God who has shown you and us love by sending Jesus to die for us. Now, baptizing Jesse. It's his friend, Chris Gorey. Jesse, based on your testimony of your faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm a champ in the third grade and I'm eight years old. I trusted Christ as my savior when I was five and it was shortly after we just moved here and I was in Iwana. I want to be baptized because the Bible says to and the Bible is pretty much God, what God says to and I want to do what God says. My favorite Bible verse is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I love Jesus because he died on the cross for our sins and rose again, and he paid for our sins. I like to thank my mom and dad for teaching me about Jesus. Taylor. It is wonderful to hear your testimony, and it's awesome to see your father, Chris, baptize you now. Taylor, I am so proud of you. Based on your testimony in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Did you say Chris? 
Well, I, th- I think you probably agree with me that baptism is truly a gift that Jesus has given to the church. And what a privilege it is for us to celebrate that gift today. And, uh, you know, one thing uh, just to make you aware of is not only were the, there these four that were baptized here in this service, but there were three others that were baptized in the first service. And all seven testimonies that were shared are available in video online on our website in the city. So would love, if you would like to check those out, the ones that you missed first service, to invite you to go and check those out later today. Um, but before we go any further, I want to just pray and thank God for his faithfulness in the lives of our friends. Father, we are so thankful as we come before you now. We're so thankful that you have reached out and pursued um, these four individuals that we just saw baptized, Father. And thank you so much that you're a God who doesn't just work in history, in the lives of people whose names are recorded in the Bible, and you're not just a God who works in the lives of those that we don't know, but you're a God who works today in the lives of people we do know, including these four who have given testimony to faith in Christ. And Father, I'm so thankful that I stand in a room right now full of people who could equally profess their faith in Christ in the same way and have gone through the process of baptism in the past. Father, thank you for this gift that you have given us of baptism and especially for the gift of life that you've given us in Christ. Father, I pray that you would help these four individuals to not walk forward from this day and forget it, but that they would walk forward from this day and remember. Father, you, um, through the Apostle Paul, uh, told Timothy to remember the time when hands were laid upon him that he might draw strength from it later. Father, I pray for these four individuals that they would draw strength by remembering back the day of their baptism, remembering the identification they have with you, remembering the, the forgiveness that they have in Christ and the identification with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Father, I pray that it would be a source of strength for all four of these people. And Father, thank you that we have had the chance to celebrate that today. I pray now, Father, that you would be with us and guide us as we look at a second sacred symbol that you have given to us, that of the communion meal. And I pray that you would be honored in all that we do now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That is amazing. Come back every service. I don't know where you're at, but come back. That's... Anyway, uh, hey, we have this privilege of being able to celebrate not just baptism, but communion today. But before we look at uh, communion, I-, I wanted to share a story with you and for us to reflect a little bit about this meal. Um, and I, I want to share a little bit about just a big day that happens every November. On the fourth Thursday of every November, there is a famous holiday, um, or fourth Wednesday, what did I just say? Fourth Thursday of every November, did I say that right? In my head, I've got all kinds of things happening. The fourth Thursday of, of every November, there's a famous holiday. What, what is that holiday? Thanksgiving, not the Lions playing and not the Cowboys playing, but around those two games is this event. Um, that is known as Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is a wonderful time um, to celebrate with family. I realize that because of, of distance or circumstance or, or um, an untimely death or something, that, that this can be a difficult time. But for me, it's, it's been wonderful that God has allowed me to be around my family every Thanksgiving since I was born. 
I love the chance to, to gather around this Thanksgiving table. The, the picture that you see here was actually a couple of years ago, and it was the first time that we had ever hosted Thanksgiving dinner at our house. I'd always spent Thanksgiving at uh, my parents' house, at Kimberly's parents' house, at uh, an aunt or an uncle or grandma and grandpa. But a couple of years ago, we actually had the privilege of hosting my family for Thanksgiving, and it was just an, an awesome time. Uh, smiles all around the table. This wasn't a setup. We weren't yelling and screaming at each other, and then we said, now smile. It was actually, we were smiling throughout the time, and it was this great moment to celebrate this holiday together as a family. And, and we, we love celebrating holidays as a family because we have both a past and a future together. That's what you have with your family. You have a past and a future. When we, we gather around this table, we have a past together. There's my sister and her husband, and, you know, for the last decade, he's been a part of our family, 12 years. And then they're two beautiful daughters and, and my son and my parents. And as we gather around, you know what? We tell the same stories every year at Thanksgiving. And I love it. There's a familiarity with that. There's just a camaraderie with that. We have a shared history. And, and we, we gather around this table and we celebrate that together. Um, we also have not just a shared history, but we have a shared future. One of the, the big things about a family is, you know, barring an un, untimely death or, or somebody moving away, we, we anticipate being able to celebrate this meal many more times together. We don't just have a past, but we have a future together. And you, you have that in families. And so in families, we gather at the holidays together because we have a past and because we have a future. And on holiday days, we look for places to gather and meet. Uh, if we're in Bartlesville, we meet at one of our parents' houses. The year they came here to Norman, we gathered at our house because we were there. This year, we're actually going out of town, kind of a destination holiday with uh, my family, and we're going to be gathering in kind of a rented space. But we always look for an opportunity to gather on Thanksgiving and to celebrate a meal together. Now, with that backdrop in mind, and that's something probably that many of you at least can relate to, I want to zoom back in time now, about 2,000 years, to the time when Jesus was on the earth. See, holidays and gathering with friends and family around a meal is not something that is new to America, though Thanksgiving is an American holiday. Uh, people throughout history have gathered together around meals at holidays in order to celebrate their connection that they have together, their past and their future, and to, to gather and celebrate whatever it is that they're, they're celebrating. And the same thing was true among Jesus and his followers. And there was a particular holiday that Jesus and his disciples celebrated together several times during his time on the earth, and that was the holiday of Passover. Uh, Jesus and his followers decided to make a destination trip for their Passover celebration. And so rather than gathering maybe at, at Mary and Joseph's old homestead or gathering at Peter's family's house, they decided to, to go to Jerusalem, to the place where the sacrifices were going to take place. And they were going to go celebrate the holiday there. But because they were going to celebrate the holiday away from home, they needed a rented room to gather in so that they could celebrate that meal together while they were away from home because it was still important for them to gather and to celebrate that meal together. Well, those are, that's kind of the setup for the events that transpire in the book of Luke in chapter 22. Uh, this is what it says about Jesus celebrating that Passover meal with his disciples. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. 
So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And in this, Jesus and his disciples gathered for a meal to celebrate the Passover. Um, And you can imagine as they gathered to celebrate that Passover, the conversations that would have been going on around the table. Um, these, this was not a quiet group. Sometimes we think of the, the, this, this moment as this really solemn moment where everybody is silent, and certainly they were all sitting on the same side of the table. We've all seen the picture. But they were, they were gathering there to, to eat this meal. My guess is it wasn't quiet at all. My guess is it was loud. My guess is, is that they were gathering to, to celebrate this meal together. They were sharing the past that they had together. They were telling the same stories they had told around the campfire. They were reliving and remembering a number of things. But my guess also as they're gathering together, they're remembering all the way back to God's provision for his people at the first Passover. They're remembering their past. They're remembering their history. But they're also remembering and looking forward to their their future, their future together. They, They had a belief that the kingdom of God was coming, that Jesus being the Messiah would establish a kingdom and they would be able to reign with him in that kingdom. There, there, was, there was something as they were gathering, as they were celebrating the past, they were looking forward to the future, just like you do with your family. It would have been a noisy table. And as they gathered around this noisy table celebrating life and, and sharing the elements of this meal, Jesus pauses to give some new meaning to two of the items that they were consuming. Jesus picks up some bread, and he picks up a cup, and he says, you know what? These two things are going to take on a new and a special meaning for each of us. These two things, which represent my body, which will be broken, and my blood, which will be poured out, these two things will be a a memory for you. Every time you partake of this meal, from this point forward, you you will remember the past that we have together. You will remember the death that I died for you, and you will look forward to the time when we will gather together around a table again, and we will eat when my kingdom fully is established on the earth. Jesus says, this new meal with these two special sacred symbols is my gift to you to remember the connection that we have. Now, in making those two elements sacred, I think Jesus was giving them and us who continue to practice this meal today 
a memorial meal to remember his death for us that provides right relationship with God. God was establishing a new covenant through this that allowed us to have a right relationship with God. And when we partake of communion, we we get to remember that and we get to celebrate that. But one thing that we maybe lose sight of at times when we celebrate communion is that communion is not just something that reminds us of our connection vertically with the Heavenly Father, but it's something that reminds us of our connection horizontally with one another in the body of Christ. Because we are united not just with the Savior, but we're united into one body related to one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And and my guess is that every time those disciples would have that meal from that point forward, not only would they remember Jesus' death, but they also would remember all the times that they had shared together around Christ. They would remember the stories and the blessings and the challenge and the encouragement and all of those things. They would remember those as they would gather and share that meal together from that point forward. And you know what? As we celebrate communion today, so often we forget to remember that aspect of this meal, the aspect of what Christ has done for us that has united us to one another. And part of what the challenge that we have in an environment like ours in celebrating the Lord's table and have it be something more than just remembering our connection to the Lord is even the way that we're set up. See, we're all, we're all lined up here in rows. And when, when you sit in rows, you have the opportunity to, to reflect solemnly and peacefully on your relationship with God, but it's hard to even see anybody else when you're gathered in that setting. How much better at times for us to gather and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, not in a row, but around a table? Because around the table, it's a little close at times, isn't it? Around the table, not only do you see Christ symbolized in the body and the blood and the bread and the cup, but you also see your brother and sister that Christ also bled and died for. And just like the disciples, as they gathered around that cup, they would be reminded of how different they are. So we too, as we gather around this, we're reminded of our differences. In in the the first Lord's Supper, there was a zealot and a tax collector. There were educated people and uneducated people. As we gather here today, there's people from all different ages and, and, and situations in life, but we gather together around what unites us, and that is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We celebrate in this meal not just a vertical connection, but a horizontal one. I'm going to invite the guys who are going to help us serve this communion today to come on forward, and they're going to be um, actually helping us get set up here, Um, and we're going to to celebrate our communion table today uh, different than we've done before here. We're going to celebrate it not in rows, but we're going to celebrate it around tables. And and the way that we're going to do that is that we're going to have the guys set the the communion elements out for us on each table, and we're actually going to partake of this meal family style. Um, You'll be able to to take the elements yourself as we gather, but we're going to do it not as individuals, but we're going to do it in sets around the table. And the way that we're going to work that is that everybody who's on this side is going to partake around this table up here. Not at one time. I wish the table was large enough for us to do that, but we're going to do it in sets. And so we'll come up as, as a section. You'll file all the way around this table to, to totally go around it. And then when everybody is set over here, um, this group will come over here and do the same thing at this time, at the same time. We'll, we'll gather around this table. 
and you'll take the elements. We'll reflect on some scripture together, and then after that, a set at a time, we'll take the meal together and then go back to their seats down the middle aisle, and the next group will come. And by that, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Um, So uh, with that in mind, if the ushers would go ahead and and begin to, to take the first few rows up with us. Come all the way around. And as you're coming around, we'll, we'll fill in all the gaps so we can get as many around in a serving as, as, as we can. And as you come to the table, I would invite you to, to grab of the elements, a cup, and the bread. And as you do that, hang on to it as we reflect on these verses from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The unity that we have in Christ, the connection that we have with the Father through the work of Christ, celebrate now by partaking the bread sides for those who are coming forward. As you come forward, let's go ahead and fill all the way around the table so that we get the most in each setting as we can. Great reminder of, of how deep and wide the body of Christ is. have the opportunity to gather together and celebrate both our connection to the Lord and our connection to one another in one body in Christ. As you come forward, I invite you to take of the bread and the cup and hang on to them as we reflect on the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 5. Apostle Paul writes and says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, 
and individually members one of another. As one body, let's partake the body and the blood of Christ. together on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. Paul again says, says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. The cross of Christ is powerful to unite us in Him. Let's partake of the meal together. After you've partaken of the meal, go back. of the elements, the bread and the cup. As you fill in around the table, grabbing the the bread and the cup, I I want us to reflect together on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 14. 
It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. As we celebrate the union that we have in Christ, we to partake of for just a moment, I want us to reflect on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. Paul again writes and says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Father, that we have access to together in one body to celebrate through sharing this meal together now. They partake of the meal. that meal you may now go back to your seats the next group can come forward the table so that we 
see each other and gather there together to celebrate this meal, this communion meal together. As we do that, as you take those elements, I want us all to reflect on the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul again writes and says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May partake of the meal. family, don't we? When you serve family style this way, it takes some time, but it's a beautiful thing because think about this, the time that it takes this, multiply that times all of the believers gathering around the world today. What a privilege we have to be a part of the family of God, to be invited to his table. And he so patiently cares for each of us. Come forward. As you come forward and gather around the table, invite you to go ahead and take the cup and the bread. And as you take of the cup and the bread, before you consume that, I want want us to focus on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Paul again says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. As we gather today to partake of this meal together. You know, it's a beautiful thing when we can take something very familiar. We look at it in a little bit of a different way. 
and it's a new and fresh gift that God has given to us. This meal symbolizes not just our vertical connection with the Father, but also our horizontal connection with one another in Christ. Before we sing a closing song together, let me go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to worship you today with all of our senses and to celebrate your faithfulness in the lives of those we know and we love. Father, thank you that you have united us in one body in Christ based on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And thank you that you've given us this sacred symbol as a memorial meal to help us remember that. Father, I pray that you would help us now to live our lives, not just with a row mentality, but with a table mentality, that we would seek to to pray for one another, to to love one another, to care for one another's needs, to, to lift up one another and encourage one another. Father, that we would live into the life that you've called us to around tables, not just rows. And thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you now through this. We celebrate now the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please stand and join us as we close in song.